0: Why should I invest in customer education versus just hiring more CSMs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. right. And the answer is in your users, right? Everything is there, right? I, ultimately everything rolls up, but you know, each one of those in the each one of you have to affect each one of those individuals. And then, yeah, then it's ultimately customer centric answer. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. I'm Adam Evermescu, and I am here with Barry Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Thought Industries. Welcome, Barry.
1: Thanks so much. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you on the show today. Absolutely. Delighted to be here so we'll we'll talk about a lot of things related to customer education, some trends some themes, what you're seeing in your customer base, but before we get into all that meaty stuff, I would actually love to start by just hearing a little bit about your story, Barry. How did you end up getting into customer education and and how did you end up founding thought industries
1: uh, well yeah actually yeah. so it's a, it's a it's a fun story it's been a you know, I grew up in Ireland, uh, as you may notice as we go through through the interview here, um, and moved to the States about 20 years ago. Um, and uh, you know, I was I was fortunate enough um, to start out worked at a couple of startup companies right out of college. In fact, met a, another guy who was starting a company when we were in our last year of college, and uh, it was just a really great experience. Um, and it, actually, I was a mar- I had a marketing background, but it got me interested in in product development. Um, and fast forward a couple of years, um, my first job. In online learning was uh, was at Berklee College of Music um, back in 2001, and that opened up an incredible gateway for my career. Um, I'm a musician. that grew up, started playing in bands when I was about 11 years old. And, what do you play, uh, Barry? Just uh, well, I'm a. But I think by trade, I'm a drummer. Uh, but you know, when I moved to the U.S., I, I picked up the guitar because I didn't have my, my neighbors weren't too cool with the drum set going. So, uh, <laughs> so a little bit of everything. But um, you know, it's certainly a drummer by trade. But a, you know, played guitar in bands for years. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a great outlet. It's been a little bit less over the last few, uh few years since we started Thought Industries. But you know, certainly something that's a real passion for me.
0: It's it's hard to juggle those, right?
1: It is, um, and you know, I have to say, I really enjoyed. I had a smile on my face. I was driving back from Maine to Boston, a big smile in my face, listening to the Radiohead episode uh, there at the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, one of these days, maybe we'll get a chance to unpack that and have a good chat.
0: <laughs> that's that's right. We got it. We got to have our customer education jam session. But so Absolutely. you, you listened to that episode, so you know that we're we're big fans of music on the show too, and we're we're musicians Absolutely. as well.
1: Yeah, I was excited to hear that and you know, it's um as I said I think there's so many correlations between it and certainly you know, I, I think my time at Berkeley was really interesting. It, it helped me, you know, sort of really understand, um, you know, how to build learning products, to, you know, understanding what it's sort of how you would build audience. My, my, you know, primary responsibility was kind of on the marketing growth side. So, really got into, you know, what it's like to create compelling learning products, uh, how to, get, you know, take them to the market at scale. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of my career. Um, from there, it was interesting I did a bunch of consulting projects I just like to build things so you know at nighttime when, in um, when my day job was over you know I built a team had a team of folks mostly flash developers at the time and I just started building learning products um, on the side and, um, and that evolved into projects where organizations would reach out to me and say look, uh, they were all non-traditional. It wasn't internal corporate training. It wasn't academic learning. They all had this sort of interesting theme. Um, all sort of customer and consumer-facing organizations that were looking to create, you know, learning products and, and deploy them at scale, you know, uh, for profit uh, in, in many cases. And, you know, did that a number of times, and then you know, that's really where the kernel of, of thought industry started,
0: Okay, Barry, so I know we've talked about Thought Industries on the show before, but I'm hoping maybe we could spend a moment. Could you tell our listeners what Thought Industries is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we're an enterprise learning technology platform. You know, we've been around about six years, and we work with organizations to allow them to sort of create compelling learning products um, in the browser, in our technology, um, and allow them to deliver um, those, um, you know, learning technologies at scale. So, um, anything from the creation to distribution to branding, white labeling to all of the offerings and everything that you need in order to be able to um, deploy those to your customers and to either generate revenue or to also, you know, improve other core uh, metrics of your business uh, as you deal with customers.
0: And so you've, you've worked with SaaS organizations who are delivering training, but you've also worked a lot with with learning businesses, right, where we're kind of learning, learning is their business
1: absolutely yeah and you know it's been really interesting you know organisations you know generally you know reaching out to us uh, while well, maybe they have created an internal learning technology or a learning platform. And as they sort of begin to put the accelerator down and try to get scale, the you know, screws come loose and they're looking for something that's going to provide them more opportunities for licensing monetization or or just to improve the quality of the learning product that they're creating. Um, or organizations may, you know, we see quite a bit of organizations maybe that are on other learning management technologies that may be more generalist or designed, you know, for internal corporate training that, you know, when you Face them to the outside world, and especially in the context of customers, um, you know, they 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 certain they, there's certain to be certain limitations. So that's really where where we come in. We've learned a lot through the years about you know, the process of creating diverse learning products, the ability to, to deliver those, brand them. Um, and then also, you know, we spend quite a bit of time in, in monetization as well. So, so licensing and, and profit. And I think we'll chat about that maybe a little bit later on as, as kind of how we see the landscape and how we're seeing, you know, uh, from areas like cost center to profit center for learning organizations.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a big part of the evolution of of learning organizations. And so maybe we can just start on a broad level, you know, as you've been following the state of customer education specifically, where where do you think things stand today and what are some of the trends that you're seeing as you look at the world of customer education?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, these are conversations that we're having, you know, quite like yourselves, you know, daily and many organizations, whether it's, you know, our existing customers or uh, individuals in the market that, that we're chatting to. And, you know, what I think one of the first things I feel, you know, we've seen emerge is real these real clear maturity stages, you know, for, for training organizations, and especially in SaaS organizations, right? I think there's different levels of readiness and need. Um, and being able to be ahead of those or predict those, you know, I think is, is particularly interesting. Um, I think many organizations starting out, smaller SaaS organizations, maybe, you know, zero to 50 employees, 60 five employees, maybe 100 to 200 customers, depending on the complexity of the product, you know, generally start out using, you know, a variety of tools. Maybe it's, you know, one-to-one coaching through Zoom or GoToMeeting, um, you know, knowledge base, videos, and essentially really they're doing everything. There's no real formal platform, um, no really connective tissue around the user or the deployment strategy, but, you know, the job's getting done, right? And that, and that you know, is, is, is adequate. And certainly we've taken that, we took that path ourselves. As an organization, early on,
0: yeah. Like um, if you would actually ask those organizations point blank, "Are you doing customer education?" A lot of them would probably say, "Well, I, we we haven't even thought of it that way. This is just part of running our business."
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You just that So you onboard your first customer, which I did and and, and onboarded many of our first customers. And that's what you're doing. You're you're training them. You're educating them on how to use your product, how to get success out of your product. And, you know, that just sort of evolves organically until, you know, suddenly sort of milestone number two turns up, you know, this kind of intermediate level. I, I liken it a little bit to, you know, I suppose like marketing automation. And, um, you know, when we started the organization, I remember building our first website and, um, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had WordPress, we had, we were using Google Analytics, we were using a landing page builder, we had a whole variety of tools and just marketing, consolidated marketing automation wasn't on our radar. And then, you know, suddenly you get to a stage where it needs to be all pulled together under one roof and we liken it to that. And I, I think where we turn up a lot of times as an organization is really at the sort of second kind of intermediate level. It's, you know, organizations that are seeing this need to kind of formalize learning, um, really have management of, of, of the learner and the user and the customer in the process, looking to introduce more scalable, Approaches through product, like you know, the more maybe self-paced learning is being introduced. If they've been doing in-person training or virtual training, looking yeah. at more, you know, persona-based pathways, needing the need for reporting, um, and you know, really the, and getting into data and uh, and the consolidation of information around the the picture of a user, and and that's a really exciting time, you know, uh, for for many organizations, especially for us when we do- join that conversation and start working with customers.
0: Yeah, you you really end up in building mode. So there's a lot of excitement. There's uh, a lot of things that you're doing for the first time, but you're starting to formalize a little bit more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the, again, a lot of times, you know, there's certainly the, the, the content has been tried and tested many times, at least in, in, a, in, a, in a basic level, like if they've been doing in-person training or virtual training, you know, a lot of those concepts are there. There's a lot of theories about what they want to do. Generally, there's a fair bit of, of you know, research and, and and work that's kind of gone into the decision to make that step. And so, you know, it's a particularly interesting time and uh, for organizations because they've cut kind of quite an idea of what they want to do. We tend to kind of fill in the gaps from time to time in those conversations, but for the most part, everyone's pretty ready. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the interesting one is maybe there's a last one, which we see too, kind of like the, the third level, a sort of advanced level. You know, it's organizations that have, you know, done everything sort of beforehand, right? There's, there's maybe there's formal technology involved. Um, you know there's a central view of the user the learner Um, they you know training is being delivered at scale you know what content's working you know what's not you know you've got role-based persona-based learning delivery but you know you're trying to make it sophisticated maybe another step up right it's i think it's the sort of cost center to profit center approach where you know you're looking to really begin to look at monetization, um, looking at maybe, um, you know, influencing, maybe you're looking at industry certification, where you can begin to, you know, bring influencers in the industry and under the, you know, under the corporate umbrella and making sure that, you know, they're able to be, you know, strong brand ambassadors or support agents for the organization. So that's a particularly interesting time. Certainly, uh you know, as we talk with large software organizations they you know they they some of these organizations are doing you know hundreds and hundreds of in person training events or you know are are running you know concurrent training and certification programs all over the globe and it's about really getting getting you know scale and optimization in that business
0: so that makes a lot of sense when you think about the the life cycle of an organization. And I know that you work with everyone from, you know, startups to mature learning organizations who have been doing this for, for decades. Yeah. When when you think about the difference between some of those uh, customers or some of those companies that have really built these mature learning businesses that they've been running for decades versus maybe some of the newer players who have had to build these things more quickly are you seeing any differences um, as far as customers go, based on people who have been doing it for a while versus people who are new to the field?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. There's a couple of things. I think um, you know, for for the larger organizations, you know, there's been there's been a way that they've run the business for for many years, especially as it comes when it comes to training and. Um, like many organizations, you know, that have a level of maturity, um, you know, sometimes you're unwinding sins of the past, right, just in terms of business model <laughs> deployment, product development theory. Um, and so, you know, uh, you have to, when they come in, you have to protect the legacy of the business, right? There's something that's worked for a long time, you want to protect that, but you also want to be able to work with them to provide a path forward that that allows to, them to kind of improve some of the key metrics they looking for by change, right? And those can, whatever those, they may be, mar- it may be gross margins on the delivery. It may be, it may be something to do with uh, effects on overall um, gross retention. It, it, may, it depends, right? But we're looking, a lot of times, we're looking at new ways to deliver maybe a more compelling product um, a more timely product, um, and 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 begin to diversify. You know the, the delivery mechanisms that they have, but that that is kind of the general trend. Um, there's a lot of technology to unwind. Um, you know in terms of how things have been run especially when you get into global enterprises where you know multiple currencies um, you know you're dealing with localization you're dealing with a lot there's a lot of heavy lifting and, and um, with those organizations but that's kind of the fun fun part and something we've got a lot of experience with with the I, I think you know on the on the other side um, you know it's just it's it's fantastic to be with you know the younger organizations that just have sometimes, They have a great and a really clear vision of what they want to do, really strong aspirations for what they want to do with learning, and they push us really hard, and we really enjoy that. They push us in a very different way, and it's exciting to see how people think about it, how they're connecting the dots in terms of measurement, how how their theories for how they're going to diversify the delivery of 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 learning content, um, how it's going to be offered, the proximity where it's going to be. Um and so you know, and you don't have to you spend a lot of effort kind of on the future and getting that ramped up rather than unwinding you know some deep legacy technology. So it's yeah. just a, it's just a little bit of a different focus, but you know everybody's endpoint is the same, right? I think we're all everybody that you talk to and everything all the dialogue that we have is really focused on you know some of these key you know macro metrics that are so critical to to software organizations and customer facing organizations.
0: Absolutely. It's not just about generating revenue in in a bubble, but no. there is something that, that you mentioned a moment ago that I think would be interesting to to push on is that across your customer yeah. base, you're seeing a lot of organizations who are trying to measure impact in more creative ways or in more innovative ways. So I'd love to hear a little bit about where you see that going in terms of how organizations are really trying to measure not just the revenue that they collect, or, or just how their business is doing, but how are they yeah. really trying to measure the impact of the work they do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I can share that, and I have to shout out to you—the measuring ROI. Um, uh, Podcast that you guys did, and that the DevLearn presentation is, is really, it was a really interesting, and in, in the way that you broke it down, and I think a lot of those trends are, are consistent with kind of what what we hear in the market as well, right? And how you measure the business, I think you know, I think internally at our company, we you know we're spending a lot of time thinking really uh, and focusing and researching kind of in this area and we've got a few theories about it and and you know certainly love to hear your your perspective on it you know we I, the way we look at it is sort of break it down in, in the conversations into sort of sort of three different areas right there's the sort of macro measurement and this is the ceo of me talking right because sometimes i sit on both sides of the table you know as the, as the organization has grown where you know i'm looking at those important key um, you know measurements for a growing SaaS organization but i'm also you know, have been in the weeds on the customer, building the customer success team early on. And so understanding the realities of what's happening on the ground. And so, you know, the first thing that, you know, we talk a lot about, especially, you know, the sweet seat is the, is the macro measurements. And I, I think um, those are, you know, at the end of the day, right, the, those are really critical. Um, and everything kind of, you know, basically rolls up into those. And so, you know, we're talking a lot about how do we surface them? How do we make it easy? How do we reduce the friction for organizations to make the correlation between the training and learning, delivery, and operations, and the sort of key metrics or bottom line of the company, right? And 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 how how do you do that? Well, you know, I mean, everything, I think... (laughs) And I don't know, maybe I'm, I will say that the absolute Mac Daddy macro metric, you know, at the very top of the pile is sort of that gross retention, right? I mean, there's sort of two conversations in every SaaS organization. What's your, you know, how's your, how's your ACV growing? And then, you know, and then what's your gross retention rate? Like what's really happening? You know, your product market fit, everything is is going to be dictated by, the customers that stay with you, that get value from your product. And ultimately, you know, every organization has to be incredibly focused on that in this subscription economy. Right. So, you know, you, everything you're trying to wire, you know, I look at it I think we talked about music earlier on. And I remember, um, this really cool thing we did earlier on at Berkeley, whereas, um, uh, where we allowed you to have a whole bunch of audio equipment and you could kind of virtually connect all the wires for signal flow. <laughs> well, it's kind of a little bit like that. It's, um, and sort of how do you connect all the wires from the, the components of customer training and your and your learning operations back up into those kind of macro metrics and that sort of pyramid? So, you know, I, I think as we as we kind of you know take tiers down from that gross retention rate, you know we're looking at you know things like obviously time to value, time to first value, um, some of the bigger CSAT. Um, and and I think you guys talked a lot about. I think it was really interesting where you talked about sort of you know things like the NPS for your trained customers versus non-trained customers. You know those are really important metrics, right? Those macro metrics, so gross retention and everything that falls under that. You know, obviously net retention because you're upselling. Um, mm-hmm. You want to see how your training correlates with all of those, you know, sort of ACV growth um, against those key customers and how training has affected those. I think another yeah. big one is, is the growth. So go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say you're, you're bringing yeah. up an important point, too, for a lot of customer education professionals who might be new to this world or who might have come from the internal L&D world. It's one thing to be able to talk about instructional design theories, and it's one thing to be able to talk about learning objectives, but it's another to be able to also speak the language of the business. And if you aren't attuned to the gross uh, or the macro metrics that your business actually cares about, it's it's going to be a lot harder to get anyone to care about um, you know the the education pieces that you're talking about, right? right.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. And it's interesting, and I think you should ask. I mean, my... You know, my recommendation to anybody in that role, especially in the customer success side or leadership and customer success or, you know, the leaders in the customer training and, and, and customer learning parts of the organization, ask the question, ask the dialogue of the of the leadership team, you know, and how the business is being measured globally, because, you know, as you know, um, you know, SaaS organizations go through different, you know, obviously there's there's different levels of growth. There's different areas of focus, whether, you know, the rule of 40, you know, where you're, you know, there's, there's you're if you're in, you know, growth mode, as opposed to sort of profit mode. And I think you're going to be looking at different things like a growth organization is going to be really, really focused on, you know, sort of net new ACV on gross retention um, and maybe, you know, a little less focused on maybe gross margins. And I think as organizations grow and run for profitability, you know, they're going to start looking around the room and wondering, okay, you know, can we improve gross margins in, in some of the customer-facing operations and how we support those yeah. organizations? And so, so you, you almost have that. to be
0: able to, to take the, a step back and say, okay, the metric that the, my company cares about right now is gross margin. Why does my yeah. company care about gross margin? How are they measuring that? And then if I were to ask my CFO, well, why does customer education matter in terms of gross margin? Like, how would I tell that story?
1: Right. <clears throat> you and almost you have should, to back exactly. out to the human was, terms. Absolutely. And how do you how do you make that connection between what you do and you know I you know I have a marketing background and when I always had to report, you know, to the CEO and, and talk about um, you know how we were doing and the trends that I saw in the business, everything had to, you know, connect back to those really important key key measurement metrics for the business at the at the phase the business was in. And I would, you know, essentially just go through a process of figuring out, you know, what do I have that backs up into that. And, you know, obviously with, with marketing, it's the kind of marketing funnel and, and how you're able to, you know, provide, it's kind of like, it's also like the sales forecast, right? Like what's what's in your pipeline, what's your pipeline coverage, how are you getting there? You're telling a story, you know, these are the leading indicators of, of, of growth, right? And so you always have to be able to make that connection. And that makes the conversation much easier, you know, when you, when you turn up and you're validating, um, you know, customer training. I mean, we're in conversations all the time where we're just seeing, you know, the, customer training the validation of how it's having impacts on businesses and i think you know it's it can be pretty simple the first question may be how's it affecting you know gross retention rate and then someone gives me a number, the next thing I'm going to ask is, well, what's our time to value looking like and what's our CSAT score and uh, how is it, you know, how is it connected to, you know, call deflection and support and how is it connected to sort of our net retention numbers and upsell, cross-sell, how is it affecting sort of premium features, other things like that. And I think, you know, that's the way that when the conversation goes and being able to connect you know some of that other core those other core metrics of what you're doing to those uh, to those KPIs is going to is going to really be offer a tremendous amount of value and a lot of visibility at the organization in ter- in terms of how you're um, impacting those numbers and they're, they're yeah. very significant numbers it it um, makes a
0: lot of sense and and as you look for those signals in the business you can start to see where customer uh, education really has an impact at the same time you kind of have to answer the question well well, why customer education, right? There are many ways right. that I could move a metric that the business cares about. Why is customer education the thing that we should invest in to be able to do that? And one thing that I've heard you talk about, Barry, is is the idea of looking at measurement as, as default versus dynamic. And, and I'm curious uh, yeah. if you could tell us a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think, I mean, default, I call it default data. And, and this is probably just a way that we simplify the way we talk about it as a, as a product team and as an organization the Thought Industries, I think default data is the stuff that's been around forever in in learning management, right? It's your um, that default data is if you look at number one, like right, activity. Um, you know, is um, how many people enrolled in a particular, and if you use I'm using the formal world enrolled, but how many, how many people selected a piece of content or a piece of training materials that they engaged with, and that's. Almost, it's just a, it's a tally, right? It's yeah. uh, 1 to 100. Um, you know, how many people, maybe if you're dealing in, you know, in-person training or virtual training, it's how many people attended, right? But it's a yes or no. Did they turn up? Um, how many completed? Many people that started, then completed, How many hours, many page views. Whatever way you want to measure activity, you know, that's kind of default information that's going to be standard anywhere and probably in any learning management system on the globe, right? Yeah. I think it's the like, other it's way... It's like
0: having an analytics platform for your website and measuring the number of visitors. Like, that's great. Right. You don't know if they're qualified, yeah. but you know the number of visitors that have come by the site.
1: Absolutely. And look, look—we've, you know, the learning industry for, for years has been relying on it, and I think, you know, and, and will for a very long time. And I think, you know, it, it is, these are the solid, um, you know, uh, data points that you can measure immediately right out of the gate right and those are things that will will help you and 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 uh as you as you kind of form um you know uh, strategy and process as you move forward i think the other parts of the default data are like assessments right so i think those have been surveys and assessments so you know um, did you complete an assignment or an assessment how many attempts did you take you know how many did you get right what's your score you know um yeah, it's all like of Kirk those Kirkpatrick
0: levels 1 and 2 the Kirkpatrick exactly and then of course right? if they um, if they showed up in the first place if they attended that's that's kind of level 0 because they can't react or learn anything if they didn't show up
1: absolutely yeah and so you know those are sort of you know, the ways in which I think traditionally we've, we've discovered whether or not, you know, people are engaged and how we measure it. Um, you know, obviously, it's true things like, you know, the surveying. So, you know, the, the before and after surveying and, the you know, the Kirkpatrick model as well, scores, grades, you know, stars, um, you know, things like MPS. Those are all things. Um, and I and when I say MPS and this, you know, I'm talking about sort of course-based or content-based or training-based MPS, right? Mm-hmm. in that sort of micro-level not your sort of macro NPS for for the organization. Yeah, so like those the, are things. The smile sheet. Absolutely right. So. You know, and those you know that's that's your default go to. There's lots of ways, and I think you guys covered a lot of this in terms of like ways in which you can correlate that data and that information into the bigger picture, right? Into the into into the bigger view of the organization and the, and the business. And I, and I think and they, those will continue in the ways that you do it. I think we've been thinking a lot about what we call about sort of dynamic measurement or dynamic data, and it's 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 all you know. Um, an area that we're we're exploring a lot in terms of how we make the connections, and and um, I will say I'll say this: it's there's probably two areas inside dynamic measurement or dynamic data that we think a little bit about, and I think the goal ultimately, and we've seen many organizations, and I know you guys cover this they are you know they, they build a data warehouse they are able to pull you know all of the key information and all the key data points um, you know from uh, from the learning management platform uh, maybe your support platform salesforce uh, your customer success platform everything and then create a centralized repository you know layer your bi tool on it and then begin to begin to go to work and that's uh, that's a um, you know incredibly value to for any organization but as, as you know it's a lot of work right it's and it a time consuming process And you
0: don't always have access to that central repository.
1: Absolutely. And it's phenomenal. Like, you know, we've seen organizations, we had organizations early on, you know, that were doing this. And, you know, it's just phenomenal to see this picture that they were building, you know, on on the customer, you know, across so many different attributes. And, And I think when we think about it as a learning technology and an enterprise learning technology, we're thinking a lot about how do we actually make... How do we get to making this stuff a little easier? And and again, there's it's not easy, right? But how do you reduce the amount of friction to be able to centralize some of that data? So I think our you know our, our the way that we think about it, or certainly our thesis for it, is you know there's sort of two things: proximity, which you know I, I think about is and and it. And it comes down to the context. Where is the person, right? One of the things that we saw really early on, and I noticed this myself for the very first time years ago, was you know we signed up for SaaS technology, and then I got a call from the account manager, customer success manager, asking me, did I sign up for the training? I went into my junk folder, and I found you know an invite to some learning management system, and, he, you know, and then had to go in and then had to create a password and a login. And, you know, two weeks later, he's calling me why I haven't finished my first course on onboarding or whatever. And so, you know, proximity and context is, I think, such a really important thing. Um, and so when we think about proximity, we're thinking about a couple of things, right? Um, how soon, you know, did a person engage in, um, in a product action after they've engaged in learning of so when you
0: when you actually go measure the the action that you would expect training to have driven you're you're looking to see uh, how close that signal is
1: yeah like i mean it's 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 that latency right so think about you know, like anything as as a musician, right? Or 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 anything, anything you're learning, right? I can I can receive input now and then I then I go and I take a, a rest or a gap or I open up, you know, uh, Instagram or whatever I do and then, you know, then I kinda go apply and I half apply skills that maybe I thought I learned true and there's just this discontinuity in experience, right? And so what we're looking at in terms of a you know the measurement is what's the proximity? So I think there's two things to it. Like where did they access content, right? So mm-hmm. if you think a little bit about you know, where did the individual discover the con, did discover the content, right? So I'm trying to solve a problem, I'm an analyst, and I'm trying to solve a problem or build a report in Salesforce. Now what, right? I've hit a wall. Is it, is, it, is it there? And I think you guys have talked before a lot about in-product you know, in training. Um, yeah, because if you're in the product the,
0: often, that's, that's where you're going to look first, right? You're, you're not right. necessarily going to go out to Google and you know, try to go through several pages of, of uh, content. You're going to try to look for a help queue right, right where you are.
1: That's exactly it, and so, right? What's that proximity? How quickly can I solve somebody's problem? Right? I think that is that's a, that's a really important thing. So measuring that, and you latency. actually have
0: uh, an in-product education widget that that goes along with Odd Industries, right?
1: We we do yeah and so you know the key things are how do you you know how are you looking at presenting content to an individual at the right time um, you know how do you how do you create the right proximity based on their or, the, or right presentation based on their profile their role all of those types of things you know we think is important and and I I will point out something as well we probably you know not to go off track here but you know we kind of look at it in two ways we think we talk about context learning and an application learning and context learning we think of as you know more of the the functional tactical completed tasks like coach marking my way through you know you know a page right build a you know build a landing page okay add your title add your body add your button call to action you know uh, release save review as opposed to you know that we call context learning as opposed Mm -hmm. to sort of you know application learning which is okay i'm going to tell you how to create a really can build a really compelling landing page so you know what's going to be the most you know because essentially what we all want to do as an organization is have our customer time to value right how do we get our customers so successful with our technology as quickly as possible and success means a lot of different things right profit or you know business value but we want them to get them there and so we want them not only do want them to just build a landing page, that's not going to be enough for a renewal, right? We want them to build the best landing page possible so that they're going to get the conversion rates, the click-through rates that, you know, uh, sort of that, that that they're going to expect. So, yeah, the context I, I appreciate is, that you're
0: bringing up context there because yeah. when you think about those tasks and, and then those build into an overall outcome, right? If the outcome ultimately yeah. is renewal, then you know yeah. that not all of that is going to happen in the exact same context, right? Some of that will yes. happen... Through an in-app experience that feels just like part of using your product, but some of that's gonna to have to happen outside of the product. It's not the holy grail right. to say this should Absolutely. all happen, you know, in a coach mark.
1: Absolutely. And it can't. And that's 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 fine, right? I think, uh, right time, right place. And and so I think this is where proximity becomes a really important thing, right? I think you're able to reduce the proximity in some of the in-product stuff because it's like, okay, reduce that sort of that 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 time, right, between when somebody Accesses content and then they execute a task, right? I think that's something we want to be able to measure, right? Yeah. When Barry turned up, how soon after um, he engaged in a learning experience did he, um, you know, did he execute the task? And vice versa, like, I and mean, while he was in the application, how quickly was he deployed to learning, and did he take action? I think that's something you know, looking really close at. Also, the type of content, because you know what we're seeing is probably one of the trends we see. You know, if I went kind of down to the list of trends, I think the diversification of, of learning product is one of the things that's really interesting and fascinating because organizations are realizing those with the most amount of diversity of offering are, are covering way more ground, right? So yeah, it might it's be actually something year. that I
0: think is really interesting about your product as well is that within thought industries, you have so many different types of interactivities and you can author so many different things that you actually can create a very diversified experience within the platform.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's been really important for our customers, right? Because we talked about that sort of maturity scale. A lot of times when you turn up, you've kind of been doing one thing really well, right? And maybe it's, you know, self-paced you know courses or you've been doing sort of you know uh, virtual training really well but you need to diversify that learning in order to get scale right those you know that that constant process of onboarding you know you know you onboard a team and then suddenly the team changes in 6 months and you got to onboard two more you know two more folks like all of those things so so i think like the diversity of of offering becomes really important for organizations as they get scale and, um, and we focus quite, quite a lot on that. Um, so I think one of the things that we want to look at as organizations begin to diversify we want to look at what type of content you know that they engage in because we're kind of looking at how that particular type of engage that particular type of content performed whether it's a micro learning top-up or whether it's something that's more you know sort of uh, guided or more of a self-paced one hour two hour certification or a role-based pathway that we're bringing you through so those things are important and the measurement of And the dynamic data is the measurement of proximity between these times in which their interaction and the latency between those. So that's, you know, something we're particularly interested in. And I think the other one is, and this is kind of a little bit of the holy grail, I suppose, it's proficiency. And, you know, know, this is an interesting one because I think proficiency really... Is is uh, what we're all in search of is is the success, right? The, and then we can measure that in our macro metrics again in terms of the the account of renew, did it grow? Um, but ultimately, we want to understand, you know, at a at a sort of a, at a user role level, you know, are we having an effect on this individual's success, right? And, yeah. and those success metrics, you know, as you, as you guys know well, is. Is, is, it can be very different per role, right? The what you know, the time to value for you know a, a business owner as opposed to the analyst or the content creator or designer can be vastly different in a piece of technology. So, um, what we're really after ultimately is: are we, you know, have we been successful in making that individual um, uh, understand the technology and deploy it to the to the best possible value that they can? And so. We're, we've been working on this. It's, it's, a, it's not an easy one. Um, and I, I'd certainly love to, um, you know, discuss more, um, you know, with anybody that's willing to chat more about this. Um, but, you know, I think w- one of the things that we look at in sort of proficiency is at the first level is just like, was the task e- executed, right? So what we're ultimately trying to do is connect the, the training and learning um, object to the outcome. Right? Did they do it?
0: Right. So yes you can actually no. say, you know, someone consumed this content, but now did they actually perform the, did they do the corresponding action? Right.
1: Did did you build a landing page yes or no, right? Yeah. Um, so and that's pretty simple, right? That's that could be pretty easy. That's a it's a pixel, right? Um yes, landing page created or um, whatever way we would do that, but yeah, a landing page is Then one is might ask what,
0: what about those higher order objectives that that might be a little more esoteric or might not occur directly well, within a product.
1: Absolutely. Now we're getting. Now it's getting interesting. But this is this is this is the dream, right? This is why, you know, I think it's really important for all of us to to think a little bit about how we connect the wild and the outside world, of how our customers are using our products, you know, you know, back to the, to the, to the training, right? How do we directly wire it? It's not easy, right? It's but what we're trying to do is just like at least break down the friction between and the manual labor around doing that and trying to find ways to do that. I think. The other part of that is the frequency of the task. Um, So, like, have they executed it more than once? So have you built more than one landing page? One, two, three, four? Are you... You know i know for me i had to do a lot of reps and when i was building websites you know back in the day and try to figure it out and try lots of different things at the try a b test and all the other things that were you know were were important to me getting proficiency with a, and how i use the piece of software the same because yeah, you have to Tools do things multiple
0: times some, some things you're going to do once it's a static signal right you it, during implementation yeah. there's something off and then you've turned it on you can measure that really easily but proficiency you're right it's it's measuring the number of times. And, and I think, Barry, that's, that's so important when we think about the measurement of learning because going back to that question earlier, we, we can measure gross retention and we can measure the amount of education that's happened in the business and we can get into that causation versus correlation argument, which I, I think proximity starts to get around. Um, yeah. But really by looking at proficiency, then you're answering a more specific question, which I really appreciate. And that specific question is, what has customer education done? To really affect right. that metric. Why should I invest absolutely. in customer education versus just hiring more CSMs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the so answer is in oh, your go users, ahead. right? And the answer is in your users, right? Everything is there, right? I, ultimately everything rolls up, but you know, each one of those in the, each one of you have to affect each one of those individuals. And then yeah, that ultimately is a customer-centric that's where you start. answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So in our in our last five minutes here, um, I'm hoping quickly. We, we do a little segment here called, uh, you know, C-Level to C-Level, where we try to rise above C-Level to uh, find out what you as a CEO talk to other C-suite folks and, and board members about. So when you're talking about customer education out in the field and maybe talking to CEOs of other companies, um, how, are you, how are you looking at that and, and what topics do those folks tend to care about as you're having those discussions?
1: Yeah, I think you know it's interesting. I mean, it's certainly at the C suite, it, it, you know, a lot of times it just comes back to to you know, sort of the, those macro level measurements and the and the and how it's connected and how you know customer training overall is 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 having an effect on it, right? Um, and I think you know the conversations over time have changed, right? It's been it's been really interesting. Um, it's less more about should we. Um, And it's more about how do we expand and how do we really get the most amount of value out of this part of our business. And that's a refreshing just I think tide change in terms of the of 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 I think the progression and the adoption of of uh, of the you know the focus on customer training at, at organizations and so you know I think it's more about how do we optimize what we're doing, how do we continue to progress how do we have effects on all of those macro metrics in the business um, you know how do we invest in a in a smart way and then ultimately you know um, I think discovering that there is, you know, downstream, there's a lot of opportunity here in terms of that sort of, you know, cost center to profit center approach for for training at at scale. Um, You know, I think, you know, as we talk with the board, you know, they're, you know, and they're evaluating and and people we work with are evaluating hundreds of companies every year, right? And so, you know, you know, retention is a, it's a real, it's a, it's a real, you know, hot button, you know, for every organization. And it's, and it's really important to be well out of ahead of it. I think there's organizations that are playing catch up. There's others that are getting maturity and they're looking for, you know, um, those fine margins, you know, in deployment and learning. Um, But one thing is for sure that, you know, there's that customer training is so um, important and central to, you know, the overall um, growth of a, of a customer-centric organization. So I think it's, it's great. It's just great to see that that, that, that dialogue is happening way more.
0: There's starting to be a little more increased awareness around the, the, the role that customer training and customer education play. Correct. Yeah. All right. So Barry, again, thank you for joining us. And for our listeners who would like to learn a little bit more about Thought Industries um, or get in contact with you, what else would you like for them to know?
1: Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, um, you can reach us at dotindustries.com dot com, um, and <clears throat> check out our website. Obviously, we work very closely with organizations, um, you know, who are focused on customer training and uh, at every stage of the of their life cycle. Love to talk to you about, you know, how we can help, and um, you know, we um, we certainly appreciate um, all the conversations, and you know, we continue to um, understand and get a pulse from the market of what's important. And certainly, love to hear that too. So and um, um, Also, barry at thoughtindustries.com. If you want to get in touch with me directly, I'd be happy to have a chat.
0: That's amazing. Barry, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been really great having the conversation with you.
1: Thanks for having me. Very much appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And listeners, if you want to learn more, we have a podcast website at customer.education, where you can find show notes and other material. I am at Avramescu on Twitter. And... Special thanks to Alan Cota for our theme music. And if this helped you out, you can help us out by subscribing in your podcatcher of choice. That's a podcast app, by the way, or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those things really help expose our podcast to the world. Um, And again, to our audience, thanks for joining us. Go out and educate, experiment, and find your people.